I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. This is Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Before we get to this conversation uh, with Utah County Health Department Executive Director Ralph Clegg, let me just ask you a quick question before we we get into uh, what's happening in Utah County. Let me ask you an Eddie Van Haley question. Uh, If you could could put together a, a playlist... Uh, of the all-time great song, someone who, uh, who who wants to get familiar with the greatness of Eddie Van Halen. Uh, what song do you have at the top of your playlist? Five seven five zero zero. That's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Five seven five zero zero. Let's get your Van Halen picks there, uh, and I'll read through those later on in the program. Maybe we'll uh, even play some samples later on. Uh, all right, but to the topic at hand, uh, I was this morning uh, made aware of uh, of a new and unique challenge. Uh, which is facing uh, Utah County public health right now. Uh, we all know, we all know that Utah County is right now facing some challenges when it comes to the uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic. There has been an uptick statewide uh, in the number of positive cases. Hospitalizations are up. All of the uh, indicators are, are are up right now, and that's an unfortunate thing, especially when we are able to observe a concentration of that uptick in Utah County. Some of the side effects of that concentration uh, has been uh, some challenges when it comes to contact tracing. We've learned from uh, people like Dr. Angela Dunn that contract tracing uh, is important, vitally important to fighting uh, this this pandemic, but uh, that it is a human process and liable to have some gaps. Traditional contact tracing is a human process, and with that, we have human error. It relies on an individual's ability to remember exactly where they've been and who they've come into close contact with over the past several days or even several weeks. So you can imagine that relying on someone's memory for those things can leave some holes and gaps in our contact tracing. The collection of that data has thus far rested on the shoulders of health departments. Well, what happens when... Uh, there are more contact tracing assignments than there are workers to accommodate them. Uh, Well, uh, Utah County Public Health Department is uh, reaching out looking for help in the community and joining me now to discuss some of the challenges and some of the ways uh, they look to overcome them is Ralph Clegg, Executive Director of the Utah County Health Department. Director, sir, how are you? Very good. Thank you, Lee. Would you talk to me a bit about uh, contact tracing within your department and where you are feeling some stresses right now? Sure. Uh, you know, contact tracing uh, is an outcrop of uh, case investigation. The, the person who tests positive is first investigated as a case. And in that process of that investigation, we uh, are tr- 
trying to get the number of close contacts they've had and and the names of those individuals so that we can contact them. The case the case itself is isolated. You know, the person is isolated, and but the close contacts are asked to quarantine for 14 days. And so, you know, when you have the the types of numbers that we had uh, recently. Uh, you know, we're really geared up for about, well, probably about 120 cases per day here with our staff, and we can probably expand with help from the state health department, the National Guard, and some of the other local health departments when they're not having a lot of cases to maybe 200 or a little over 200 cases per day. And so when we start getting case counts of almost 600, uh, you know, there's really, it, you, we really just have a difficult time dealing with that. And so uh, to try to prioritize, we we back off just a little and, and ask the, the uh, case, the positive case, help us with uh, the contacting of their close contacts. We give them the information, ask them to please get that to their close contacts. The high-risk contacts, we will continue to contact uh, so to make sure that they understand how important it is that they monitor themselves for symptoms and, and get medical assistance if, uh, if things don't go well for them. And so that's kind of the situation we've been in for the, the last uh, three weeks or so. Um, and so it's kind of a priority process. We had to do something similar back in July with the first surge, as did uh, Salt Lake County, where you just had to rely on the case to help with some of the contact tracing uh, simply because of the numbers. You know, since then, of course, we've been able to add some more staff. We're still trying to add a few more staff to to deal with this. But uh, that, that's the basics that we're in. Uh, the good news is um, recently our, our case count has come down. Uh, the percent of cases from Utah County is a total of the percent uh, of the state cases has also come down. And so we're uh, we're getting pretty close to being caught up, and that will allow us, hopefully, unless there's another surge, to go back to where we do our classical contact tracing by our by our staff and and those who are assisting us. Talk to me a bit about uh, about like manpower and workflow. If if you are presented with a case, let's say one case comes into the health department, uh, it takes one healthcare worker. How long to 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 affect, on average, the the contact trace on that one at that on that one case? Well, it will depend a little bit upon how many contacts the uh, the cases had. Um, you know, when we first started this back in uh, in March, and things were pretty well shut down. Uh, we would find that uh, one the case had maybe just a couple of contacts, but after Memorial Day, when things opened up uh, quite a bit more, uh, you know, we found that in some cases a case may have up to 20, you know, contacts. And so, you know, if you, if you're trying to catch three or four people, that's much different than trying to catch 20, 21 people. And so, and that 20 one, versus four, those are each individual. Uh, that's a phone call that has to be made and a conversation that has right. to take place. Right, and you have to try to catch them, and and you have to repeat the, the phone calls, uh, you know, and and have the conversations, and and it's sometimes very challenging to get uh, get everybody, and and some people, as I think Angela Dunn indicated, uh, it is uh, it is human contact, and and sometimes it's difficult to to catch up to some folks. Is this is the is the data that is learned is it collected and concentrated and analyzed in any way or is this uh, and and I ask that to maybe you know supposing as a layman I am 
if there be any way to to look at spread or look at overlap between contacts and observe trends within the information that's gathered, or is it is it simply uh, uh, you know a singular effort to inform those who have come in contact with those uh, infected? Well, certainly the contacts can be traced back to a, to a case, and so you know if it's happening in a workplace, then that might be considered kind of an outbreak and. And uh, then we, you know, you would probably address that uh, that situation as an outbreak. But uh, yeah, lots of data is, is gathered to, to help us as we're trying to deal with the, the outbreak. You know, this, you know, early, well, for some time, you know, some of our communities, uh, minority communities, were more heavily impacted by by this uh, disease than than others, um, such as the Hispanic Latino com- community and even the Hawaiian uh, Pacific Islander communities, uh, more more so in the Hispanic community, Latino community. And so we've been able to focus some efforts there. Now it's not quite so uh, heavy in those communities. Uh, now it's it's a little more. And uh, recently it's been in our, our college age, high school and college age uh, uh, citizens. And so gathering all that data helps us to know where to focus a lot of our efforts. Yeah. We're speaking with Ralph Clegg, Executive Director for the Utah County Health Department, about uh, an interesting new challenge which the department is facing in that with the uptick in cases, the uh, overwhelming task of contact tracing uh, has for the most part exhausted the abilities of the department. And uh, for that reason, uh, the, the department is reaching out for uh, help from the public to make contact with uh, your own contacts and inform those uh, who you may have been in contact with should you come down with the coronavirus that they may uh, have, have been exposed to the virus themselves. Uh, Mr. Clegg, you mentioned in July there was an uptick and you faced a similar circumstance in which you uh, were relying on the public's help. Uh, observing your experience then, was there much buy-in? Was the public helpful? Did they execute to a satisfactory level the type of contact tracing which is needed now? You know, largely, uh, Lee, the, the public have been fantastic in our state. Uh, they've been very cooperative and, and helpful in most cases. Um, and, uh, you know, they understand how important uh, this is. And, and if we're going to, you know, if we're really going to reduce the spread of this disease, it's important that we identify as quickly as we can those who have it and may spread it to try to get them isolated and then anyone who's con- come into close contact who may likely therefore uh, develop the disease be you know quarantined until until we know whether or not they will have develop the symptoms and be able to spread the disease. All right, Mr. Clegg, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you. If if you uh, if we can be of any service here, uh, you give me a call and uh, we'll help get word out. Uh, I, I do believe in the importance of this contact tracing, and as you're facing this uh, this challenge right now, I think it does fall upon all of us to to help pull it off and get the the, the word out and make sure those who may have been exposed to this virus uh, the you know the the advice and the guidance that they need to mitigate the spread any further. Uh, Mr. Clegg, Executive Director. Director of the Utah County Health Department. My guest, thanks again for your time. Thank you, Lee. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.